There you go. There's Joe C. himself earlier this morning on the T-Row in the morning show. We'll get to that interview in a few minutes. But first, a very special guest at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. OU women's gymnastics coach KJ, uh, KJ Kindler joins us. And her squad's got a big matchup coming up tomorrow night at the LNC, 645 against West Virginia. KJ, thanks for joining the show. I, I believe this is how it goes for the uh, for the meet tomorrow. A select number of fans get an OU Gym coffee mug, and I believe a select number of students get an OU Gym beanie. In your opinion, between the coffee mug and the beanie, which one is the better giveaway tomorrow night? Oh, God. Since I drink so much coffee, I'm going to go with the mug. <laughs> Probably, it yeah. Cold, it hasn't been cold enough to wear a beanie, I don't think. But now it is. Yeah. Today. Yeah. 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 I, I, they're, they're both really cool giveaways, and uh, hoping that we get a really good crowd uh, out tomorrow night. Which the last time we talked to you was a couple of days before the big home meet against Utah. Uh, you won that one, but how, how have things been going um, since that big Sunday night win over Utah? Yeah, I mean, we've really um, we've really just been up against it from beginning till now. Uh, we went out to Denver. That was a tough matchup. Um, had probably our best meet of the year there, which is great to do that on the road, but Denver was um, putting up a good fight there and an excellent team, and then most importantly, the Metroplex, which was about two weeks ago, that had Alabama, Arkansas, and Stanford in it. And Alabama was, uh, they were actually leading the way on, as we went into floor. So it was a very, very tough matchup. It was great to see our team fight the way they did, and we came out with a W. Seems like your program has a star or stars every single year. And when I'm looking at some of your newcomers, I'm looking at Faith Torres right now with five Newcomer of the Week awards. I know it's still fairly early or early on in her career, but she's had a fantastic year. Do you kind of view her, Faith, as you know someone who's coming up in the program here the next few years that can be one of those big names that you've had in the program during your time at OU? Oh, yes, there's no doubt in my mind. She is one of those people. And what I love about her is her she has great potential to continue to grow. Um, especially on the events of vault and bars. She's just kind of getting into the swing of it on those two events. Beam and floor, she is she is money in the bank every single time. But vault and bars have been a process for her. She's working hard to get better every single day. Um, you know, we call her an all-around competitor because she's just good on everything. And uh, I see her, yeah, I see her absolutely being uh, one of those iconic Sooner gymnasts down the road. OU women's gymnastics coach KJ Kindler is our guest, and we're urging people to get out to the LNC tomorrow night, 6:45 against West Virginia. But here's the great thing, KJ, is you've had so much success that there's other opportunities to see your team at the LNC this year. You, you've got the Florida meet coming up Friday, March 3rd, but you're also hosting NCAA regionals once again, which has got to be a, a, a pretty cool thing to have. Oh, it's. It's incredible and, and so unusual to be able to host two years in a row. Unlike other sports, we bid out for this championship almost five years prior to the championship happening. Last year, um, a, a team backed out, so we were able to jump in and kind of rescue that, that championship and host. So this year, 
we had always planned on hosting. It, it's something that probably won't come around again for another five, six, seven years. So this is definitely a, an opportunity you don't want to miss because it definitely doesn't come around often. So you get to see nine of the best teams in the country, two of which will go on to Fort Worth in the national championship in, in mid-April. So it, it's a great event, definitely something you should mark on your calendar. I'm sure you've uh, seen this before on social media, but a lot of OU fans like to uh, tweet out hashtag Jim U, and rightfully so. Your program's had a ton of success recently. Uh, Mark's program has had a ton of success for a while as well. KJ, what do you think, how strong is OU's claim to be hashtag Jim U in, in both men's and women's? I think it's pretty darn strong. This week we uh, were both ranked number one, which, um, you know, when that happens, it's pretty unique. You know, there's not a lot of sports where you can think of the men's and, and women's version both being at the very top of their game. So congratulations to them this week for their number one ranking. I think it's amazing. And um, I, I'd say it's pretty darn legit, actually. Hashtag Jim U. What do you think, Teddy? Do you have a good claim to it? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to present me with some type of decent case for someone else, and from what I know, and I will admit, I'm not the best whenever it comes to gymnastics out there and and knowing the game, but I don't know anyone that's better, so I'm gonna say yes, I agree. Yeah, probably so. KJ, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck tomorrow night. Hey, you bet. Thanks. We'll see you there. There you go, centersports.com, uh, West Virginia, 645. I believe it's a whiteout tomorrow night as well, so uh, go ahead and wear uh, white to the uh, to the LNC. Fun stuff is always there with uh, K.J. Kindler. Yeah, I, I, I can't, unless the text line can think of someone else. They're both ranked number one this week. They both have won multiple national championships recently. Um, they, I think they have to be hashtag Jim U. Yeah, well, <laughs> Like I said, present me with a case. Otherwise, um, feel pretty good about that one. Uh, which you know, I know it's not really conference specific as much as most other sports are, but SEC's pretty good gymnastics as well. Well, not only that, but like every other sport, they pack the place. Like yeah. LSU, they have Olivia Dunn, and she's. You know, a sensation all in, in herself, like with all the social media following she has. Is but she any good? Or is she just an she, Instagram star? I think she's good. I think she's been hurt a lot this year. She's not. I, I don't believe she's Maggie Nichols. I don't. I mean, there's probably only one Maggie Nichols out there. But I, I don't think that she's viewed as the best in her sport. I think the majority of that is because of her Instagram following. Yeah. But I, I could be. I could be wrong about that one. But, like, the point is, yes, they are very good in uh, women's gymnastics. They show up for gymnastics. We know they show up for football. They show up for baseball. And I know it's not looked at as a big-time basketball program, but Tennessee packs their place. Arkansas gets great attendance. Alabama's getting really good attendance right now. Um, it, it's just, it, it, it's just crazy from what you're used to around here. And there's certainly some sports in the big 12 that get good attendance, but it just kind of feels like sport wide across the sec. Everything is attended probably better than any other conference that's out there. And it may not be all that close. How is, uh, Oklahoma state's hoops attendance? 
Yeah, it's been. I think it was it was starting to get a lot better once they were playing better, but for the most part, it's pretty comparable to OU here recently. Hmm. That's that's strange to me, man. Because most other places in the Big Twelve aren't they? Don't you get great hoops? I mean, obviously, KU the gets that are, really good attendance. Iowa State gets really good KSU. attendance. Uh, K-State does. Tech was. I don't know if Tech is getting as good of attendance as they were like three years ago. West Virginia is still pretty good. I mean, yeah, most of the places. TCU, but it only holds like 48 people there. Um, but I, I've even seen some empty Baylor games before. Yeah. But it, 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 it is most. I, I would say north of like 50% probably of the schools in the Big 12 that support it well. It's 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 weird. I don't know. I mean, it the was this situation happening before the thunder i guess what i'm asking is am i not giving enough because i know people have said from the beginning that that the oklahoma city thunder is going to hurt uh basketball attendance for oklahoma state and oklahoma and i've scoffed at that for a long time but i oklahoma state used to be a place that absolutely packed it and we've we've been that way obviously at times i don't know it's is it just a coincidence that both places are are down i mean i know the programs are down a little bit but i feel like and it OSU's goes a, been, a little bit osu's that. been down more so than ou in the past 10 years by the way yeah like ou's not going to make the ncaa tournament most likely unless they win it all in kansas city for the second consecutive year but there's a final four in there there's a sweet 16 in there like Oklahoma State, like really hasn't done much of anything the past decade. Like their best team, I think that they had what two years ago, just made it to the round of thirty-two with a lottery pick that they had. Right. There's just there hasn't been a whole lot of success there. Right. Well, I mean, there's still some places that pack it without a whole lot of success. You know, I, I yeah, that is that's the main driver, but. Was Oklahoma State, were they still packing the place before the Thunder even when they were down? Or does that kind of um, coincide with them going down? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they, they were pretty uh, – they, they were still competitive then. Um, yeah, I, I, the Thunder had an effect, though, to answer your question. It wasn't the end all, but it, yeah. it definitely it – was, it was a bad time to get average is, is basically – Kind of the perfect storm, essentially, is what it was like, I guess. Right. Hey, um, before we got to KJ, yeah, Joe Castiglione said, uh, on the T-Row in the morning show today, you heard it, kind of sounds like, um, well, we we know Texas wants the 230 kick. Sounds like OU wants the 230 kick as well for OU Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said earlier, with Joe C, it sounds like he almost um... – he almost is basically saying it's done. It just may not stay that way forever, which you know I, I thought was interesting. Um, I was I was tagged in a tweet, Tyler. Uh oh. And here's what it says. And this is regarding the 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 two thirty kick time for the OU Texas game. I got to think most of the people who want the two thirty kickoff have not experienced the game as normal fans. That is the one game where the 11 a.m. is preferred. The heat and the nighttime exfil suck for 230 kicks. 11 or noon is preferred by a mile 
over 230? Um, that's one person's opinion. I wouldn't say that that's the overall majority. I, yeah. I mean, like Joe C. just said himself that if he's heard it once, he's heard it a thousand times from OU fans. Like, and, and I'm not saying that that's a trash opinion because I definitely do think that there are advantages to having that game at 11 a.m., yeah. the heat being one of them, like they said, and then you can have a you can have dinner somewhere or you have more time to go to dinner afterwards, I guess, in Dallas, which you're probably eating at an overpriced chain restaurant anyway, but I guess that's <laughs> not really the point, is it? Right. But Joe C. is basically saying, yeah, everyone I hear from wants to – wants to play at 230 yeah i think it, it does it require a i guess it doesn't require this but does it typically come with a change in plans for people instead of i, I think a lot of people obviously stay friday and saturday night but do you think more people stay friday and saturday night with the 230 kick um i think it's basically no effect Really, I think if you're, I, yeah, I think for the most part, if you're not staying Friday or Saturday, it's more about the money or plans that you might have the Friday night before. Um, you know, maybe because there, there's a lot of families out there that their kid is playing in a high school football game on Friday. You know, so maybe you get more people to drive in late on Friday and go ahead and stay. If it's two thirty versus just getting up early in the morning to go to eleven, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be that big of effect either way, though. Would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. I, I, you know, I, I do think the there are benefits by of the eleven a.m. in that game because you know because the, the situation of where it's at and wanting to get out of there if you want to get get away from the the facility I think it is probably easier I think it's harder to get there because everyone we've talked about everyone shows up at the exact same time uh for the the uh fair goers and the people that are going to the game you know at 2 30 there's a little bit more of a of a window for people to arrive on on the ground so I don't know I think I think it comes to a Friday night drinking situation and people want doesn't it always yeah doesn't it always people wanting to be able to enjoy friday night perhaps a little bit more and the lead up to the game a little bit more you know the the sec is interesting because joe c said at the tail end of that audio clip that the game's not it's just not going to be played in prime time there i mean they're not it's not something that that's going to happen at ou texas and we th- when we think of prime time we think of like a 6 p.m 7 p.m kickoff and that's really what prime time is. But in the SEC, prime time is 2.30. Right. You know, that's where they put all their marquee games. Now, they get, or they, at least they've had the opportunity with CBS in the past to flex one game to that nighttime kickoff, one game a year. And they picked that A&M-Alabama game this past year. But I guess technically 2.30 with the SEC, that is prime time because that's where they put their best games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well – I don't know. I like it. I think it's think it's a good development. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, just like anything else, I and others will find a way to complain about the 230 kick. Oh, I have no doubt about that. I would be disappointed if you didn't. I know. I can complain about anything, though. and I do complain about anything. It's never Accurate. right. It's never right. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from The Rush. 
coming up. We'll roll on. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. We'll be back. The Riverwing Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of The Rush. I'm live at the LNC. Why? Because it's a huge weekend in Norman. It all starts tomorrow. OU baseball got a three-game home set against Ryder. OU women's tennis has a doubleheader on Saturday. OU women's hoops, a massive game against Texas at home on Saturday at 1 p.m. And OU women's gymnastics, they will host West Virginia tomorrow at 6.45. Soonersports.com, get your tickets now. Come enjoy all the fun Friday, Saturday, and Sunday right here in Norman. So, okay, it looks like the Athletic has biggest pre-spring questions for each Big 12 team. Uh, I don't want you to guess. I guess I want your opinion first. What's what's OU's biggest pre-spring question going into this thing? Th- their answer surprised me a little bit. It's not what I would say, but what, what, what would you say? Biggest pre-season question. Pre-spring question. Pre-spring yeah, question. Yeah, for OU. Um, I would say it's – Offensive line, I bet they probably say wide receiver. No. Um, they say, can Brent Venables fix the defense with a roster full of movement? This side of the ball has rarely been a strength for the Sooners, says the Athletic. But the bottom fell out in Venables' first season as they allowed 30 points per, per game and ranked 94th in yards per rush. And then they just go on to how bad they were. They say, can Venables fix the defense with a new roster? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense except for uh, way less roster movement and new guys going to be on the field than last year. So I guess that is a uh, a benefit there. But, I mean, that, that, is, that is a legitimate question. Like, can the defense be fixed? Yes. I, I was thinking position group. But, yeah, that is – that is maybe the question that has not been able to be answered at Oklahoma in quite some time, frankly, since yeah, he left. But, but if it's a single position group, I feel like most people would agree it's the offensive line. Yeah, they've got to figure out a number one wide receiver, sure, but O-line is – I it, it might tell the tale of the offense for, for next season. Line of scrimmage progress. game. We have to be – dominant on both sides of the ball on the line of scrimmage. What's next? I I would say that that's an important ingredient, yes. Uh, what's next in, in terms of what else they said or what? Yeah, well, the next – was there uh, more questions on there or more – No, that, that, that was okay. just it. That I mean, that was – and with the offensive line, it, it too, it stinks that Sexton and Rouse are going to be out for the spring. Is there anyone else that's out? Is is Raym out for the spring as well, or I don't is think, he good to go? I don't think he's going to be out for the spring. I don't know the answer to that totally, though. Um, he got what he got most of the month of December, January, February. He might be back in in some capacity, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess that's something that we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I'd like for him to be back. He needs. I mean, he, He's got a really high ceiling, but man, he just hasn't had a whole lot of time to develop, you know. And that's why it's so frustrating that he's he's missed more time in the in the winter to get stronger, get bigger. But hopefully, he can uh, pull it all together and at least take part in spring to some degree. I, I guess this would be a better question for someone to ask, not what the pre-spring question is. 
what's not a question for this team going into spring ball? Like, what is so solidified? What is proven that you say, well, there's other positions I'm worried about, but I'm really not concerned at all about this spot. It, this spot will be fine. It's it, it's okay. Um, Does that exist? I If it exists, to me, it's quarterback. And I think some people would say that he's still got a lot to prove next year. Well, he does. Absolutely. he's He's got a lot to prove, but he's got, in my opinion, in, in obviously injury is one thing, but also if if he loses his starting job to uh, uh, Jackson Arnold, then that I guess you could view that as a good thing. That means Jackson Arnold is that good. But I think he's going to be your starter, and I think his season next year is going to be – much better than this year was. Mainly yeah. Gunny says, because of the quarterback run game. Gunny says, I'm not concerned about running backs. This texture from the 405 says running backs. Like, I feel good about the running backs, but Gavin Sawchuk's played in, like, what, one game? Barnes? I mean, I, I feel good about it, too, but I, I'm saying that it's absolutely 100% proven and you're not worried about it at all. I. Yeah, I feel good about running backs, but I don't. I don't know if I would put the running backs in that category because right. it's still so young. Yeah, they've got some development to do. Like, I feel good that running back is is going to be a real position of strength for us next year. But I mean, to your point, there are some like running the ball. Not worried about it at all with either one of those guys. Uh, blocking and pass protection. Not so sure about that. I saw. I think it was I think it was Barnes get flattened in the Florida State game by uh, a blitzing linebacker. Now, you've heard me say this before, but to reemphasize, usually the last thing to come for a running back is pass protection because you're just you're not asked to really do it in high school to any level that actually means anything. You catch the ball, you run the ball. Um, that's about all you do. So it's it's pretty it's new to a lot of those guys, but it's not the most difficult thing in the world to pick up. And I feel like those guys will make some big gains in that department. And I I don't foresee a situation to be worried about running back next year because I'll tell you. Um, remember what I said about the conversation with Levy? He is still touting Marcus Major. So yeah. Yeah, he told us that a few weeks ago. I think ago. a lot of people uh, forget about him being in the mix still. Patrick says, can this defense be top 30 next year? Yeah. I think they can. Will they? Yet to be determined, but we are we are going to be so much better at so many more positions. I'll, I'll just I'll list them off. Uh, Will Backer, where Stutzman was last year, he's going to be playing the spot this year, and he's going to be he's going to be much better than he was a year ago, and it's going to start from the very beginning of the year. Um, I we're going to be better at Cheetah, and I don't even know who's going to be playing it. I think it could be uh, Deshaun McCullough. I think that's the the guy that I would I would say has the the biggest chance, and he's an athletic freak. Um, he he could do a ton of great things there, has great length and great size and great range. Uh, but any of the other guys behind there, I think we're going to be better at that position. 
I think we're going to be better at both defensive end spots and whether you're stand-up guy or two hand-down defensive ends. I think we're going to be better there. Uh, we, we may be – that may be the most improved position – Either either Cheetah or both defensive ends is going to be the most improved position on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, and it and it needed to be. I think we can pretty much all agree with that. And that I, that, ne- that needed to significantly improve. the The safety play is going to be a lot better. You're going to have more experience there, and because I expect Edge to be drastically better, the pass rush is going to be better. The cheat is going to be better. Will linebacker is going to be better. And when everyone in front of you, for the most part, is going to be playing better and being in the right place and lining up in the right spot and you know uh, filling the hole you're supposed to fill and covering the receiver you're supposed to cover, it becomes a lot easier to play safety, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, back to the whole uh, 230 thing on the text line. Let me yeah. get a few of those. Stay Friday night. Go to game, eat dinner, head back to God's country, 11 a.m. Nick says 2.30 kick will help with making it a one-day trip and no overnight stay. Uh, Who wants to do that? What's the point? You do that every year. What are you talking about? You stay Friday night and jet right after the game. Yeah, if I didn't have to be on air at 7 a.m., right, and I was there as a fan, I took the time – to drive down there to watch the game and go to a gigantic party, I would not be in any hurry to get out of there. 11 a.m., I'm coming home. 2.30, I'm staying. That's just me. This one for the 405. The first three games in Norman are hot, too. Should we make all of those 11 a.m. as well, you big sissies? Fair point. You're leaving no, out the No, we shouldn't X-Fill. make them 11 a.m., but they normally are 11 a.m. Actually, they're not. You had the <laughs> yeah. pay-per-view game that's at 6, but you get the point. The answer to that is yes, let's do that. That's what we've. That's, that's what's happened. That's why, because it's hot. No. I, I, like I said, I think that there's, I think there's good – there's good about both. I don't know that there's anything bad necessarily about two thirty. But there no, is there's nothing bad about two thirty. There not, is some bad about eleven AM. But I don't think Yes. Like it's a little bit different. I I bet if you eh, I, this may not be true, but I feel like um I feel like the real complaint is eleven AM home games. Like road games, I don't think that many people care. And the Texas game, whenever you're down there, you're hanging out, you're partying. I it may not be the 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 preferred, but I think people probably, whenever it's done, see the benefit that it was at 11 a.m. No, you know no, I no, I think that's right. Actually, um, home games, no, 11 a.m. It it just it sucks for for everyone. Like you just. It's, it's not just going no. to the game for people. Like, it's not just going to the game for people. It's getting a whole game day experience. Like, people want to be able to tailgate for a decent amount of time before. You want to get the whole Saturday experience, you know, in. And the and the, the vendors, the, the people around the stadium. Right, yeah. Like, that's... I, I, I And I think you're right for the most part on road games. They don't care 
If it's 11 a.m., that's fine. Unless it's big, big opponent. Nebraska yeah. last year, yeah, Ohio State, Tennessee. You want those games because it's the same thing, man. It's the exact same thing when you go on the road. Like A lot of times you're going somewhere that you've never seen before. Right. And you're paying a lot of money to do so, and you don't feel like you get the same experience um, if it's at 11 a.m. compared to 2.30 or even a night game. If I'm going all the way to Lincoln or Knoxville or Gainesville or Starksville or any more Vols in, in the SEC, <laughs> if, you're going to, like, if you're taking the time to go all the way to those places, and for, for most people it's going to be their first trips there, as at most places in the SEC it's going to be OU's first trip there, uh, you you want to be able to experience the place a little bit, right? Get there, hang yeah. out, see what the tailgate's all about, see what the campus is all about. So yeah, I get that. What what will uh, what will not be a first time trip for OU fans in terms of recent memory? Tennessee won't be recent. A and M, Ark, A and M, and Missouri won't be. I mean, but Ark or Arkansas will be. LSU will be. I, Ole Miss, I think Mississippi State, Alabama won't be either. I, a lot. Of, a lot of us went to in 03. Outside of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, outside of A&M, Missouri, and Alabama, I don't think we've played at any of the other stadiums in the in the SEC. Well, Tennessee recently. You played sorry, that Tennessee, one. sorry, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I, but that, I, recently, that's it, sure. And really, I, it's, been, it's been over a decade. It'll be 12 years I guess 13 years. When's the last time you played in A&M? It was 2010. Yep. So it'll be 14 Correct. years since. Vaughn Miller wreaked havoc on the goal line that game, unfortunately. And when's the last time you That's played how long ago it was. at Missouri? At Missouri was 20. OU was number one in the country, so I think it was 2011 when OU went up there and lost. Okay. So it's been over a decade since you've no, played. No, 2010. At- 2010, I 2010, yeah, I think 2010 was the last time you were number one in the country, and they like took the opening kickoff back or something like that, and you so lost the game. It's yeah, I think be, it's 2010. It's going to be 14 years since you've played at those two places, and over over 20 years since you played at Alabama. Right. So Tennessee's the, the only really recent one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 20, 2015, and gosh. Believe it or not, that's going to be nine years, almost a decade by the time we're yeah. in that cra- – think about that. Ugh. Yeah, it is crazy. Well, it, it goes back a little bit to the non-conference schedule too. Like, how's OU going to approach it? Well, it sounds like Texas is going to schedule three cupcake games at home, which doesn't necessarily serve the fans. It, it doesn't sound like OU is going to do that, but if they did do that, you could probably get away with that for two to three years just because of all the newness on the rest of your schedule, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Not saying that's ideal, but you might be able to get away with it a little bit. Yeah. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left. Stay tuned. Live from the LNC, it is the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Soonersports.com because it's a big weekend in Norman. OU baseball at home for a three game set. OU women's tennis with a doubleheader on Saturday. OU women's hoops with one of the biggest regular season games in recent memory. 1 o'clock on Saturday against Texas, probably to win the Big 12. And then uh, OU Women's Gymnastics, number one in the country, 645 tomorrow against West Virginia. Again, Soonersports.com uh, to get your tickets to all those events. Your boy Greg McElroy 
rank the uh, top five SEC coaches entering the 2023 season. Here's what he had to say. Tell me if you disagree with it. Okay. Josh Heupel at five. Lane Kiffin at four. Brian Kelly at three. Kirby Smart at two. Nick Saban at one. Um, I am shocked that Lane Kiffin is ahead of Josh Heupel. What's the obsession there? How is Josh Heupel not number three? Well, I guess Brian Kelly, you have to take into account what he's done before LSU. Well, he won so. the West this year, too. That's pretty impressive yeah, in year yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just switch. I don't even know. I don't know if I'd have Kiffin in the top five, but Heupel definitely needs to be ahead of him. For I mean, how well, long yeah, has it been since anyone's been able to do anything with Tennessee at all? Tennessee is a better job than Ole Miss, and I guess Lane Kiffin has played in the Sugar Bowl, but Heupel accomplished more this past year than Kiffin ever had before. You know, and like Tennessee was in a legitimate chance to make a college football playoff late in the year, and he won a New Year's Six Bowl game. And I don't, I don't think Kif- Kiffin's accomplished that at any of his stops. Well, what? What was their record last year? Weren't they like six and six? Well, they Didn't started they off like six and zero, oh, and then they cratered down the stretch. They lost. Uh, oh, they were eight to and Mississippi five, State. Okay, so yeah, but they still had a rough. I think they finished the regular season though seven and five after starting about like six and zero. Oh. Yeah, they lost their they lost their last four and five out of their last six, which they beat A and M in that stretch, which is not. I mean, they, they, Text line saying Mark Stoops over Lane Kiffin. Yeah, uh, that's a you know, there's there's a bunch of. Uh, I mean, Mark Stoops has taken Kentucky, who's who's been bad for as long as I can remember, and, and turned them where they've been a top ten program uh, at times. They were number seven this year, and they did lose to Ole Miss. Um, but I mean, that's Ole Miss's best win. Other than that, other than beating Kentucky. They beat Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and A and M. I I don't know that they beat anyone with a winning record. I mean, Troy and Central Arkansas may have been, but as far as Power Five schools, did anyone have a winning yeah. record? Uh, I I don't know. Um, by the way, I tell you, someone who's making a charge up into the top five, and if he has another really good year, I, he he should be in the top five next year. Shane Beamer's making a move, man. Well, there, there's a better one right there than than Kiffin. In in two years, he's I'd say he's done some really really nice things. Now yeah, last year got was, him to a bowl game with a bowl win in year one. Didn't walk into a great situation and then destroyed Tennessee and then beat Clemson finally in his second year. Yeah, man, they got some momentum. Hell no, feel. <laughs> And he's great in the press conferences. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Got a bunch of fighters in there. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Talk about losing in this room. I would agree. Uh, or excuse, This says, I would argue Sam Pittman is better than Lane Kiffin. Pittman yeah, had a bit of a step back last year. I'm, I am, uh, I am, I'm concerned about Arkansas. Um, they have a brutal schedule this year. Um, dang, they got a bunch of home games. 
But the road games, they're at LSU, at Ole Miss, at Bama, at Florida. Hmm. Man, I think they, I just heard four losses from you there. Right. They're, uh, they're home against Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU, A&M, uh, Mississippi State, Auburn, FIU, Missouri. Tough road games, but their home schedule's totally winnable. Well, there you yeah, go. I, I just I, I don't get the fascination with Lane Kiffin. When that name was brought up for a very short time for the OU job, I wanted to stay as far away from that one as possible. I mean, you you talk about like OU fans want to win a certain way, you know that that's not the way that they like Lane Kiffin. If you were getting tired of the way that OU was winning with with Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin was never never a good idea as a hire. Ever, no, it would have been awful. Yeah. Um, I, I like this. Lane Kiffin is like the LSU cheerleader who is popular but not great. Uh, it's gym, gymnast, uh, not cheerleader, but the point is perfect. There's, there's a whole lot of attention there. There's a whole lot of wisecracks on social media, but not a lot of substance. Now, here's the thing. Like, Lane Kiffin is actually a really good offensive mind. If, if he were to take over an offensive coordinator somewhere, they could do some good stuff. But he's, he's kind of like, just absent generally whenever it comes to the, the head coaching duties and, and like being invested in there and running a program day to day. And it's just kind of like a, and like, I don't blame him. It's like the less he cares the more popular and more money he makes, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, Auburn, Auburn flirted with him apparently this off season and didn't he get a new payday off that one? I mean, it felt like he benefited nicely from it. Yeah. I just don't get it. Couple of tweets, troll Jimbo Fisher a little bit, uh, make some NIL jokes, um, you know, get hit with a golf ball or whatever it was at Tennessee and post a picture of that and his dog and, yeah, it's just pretty – it's it, it's shocking how often, like, that is the case, that guy, like, coaches, players that are engaging with the media and the fan base get built up beyond what they actually are. Yeah. Because it's well, a fun hey, story to good write. Good on him. Yeah. Good on him, no, though. Right. He's, he's, he's captured that crowd, has he not? He's done a great job hey, doing that. Ultimately, the game is making wins. money, isn't it? Like, that's what you're trying yeah. to do. Yeah, well, good for him. He'll continue to win seven or eight games at Ole Miss. The Ole Miss job probably just got a little bit more difficult with OU and Texas rolling into the league. So, I'm sure he'll be there for uh, – I'm sure he'll be there for as long as Ole Miss will have him. I have no doubt. But yep. we'll get to some of the, some more of these texts coming up next when we close it out. Yep. Quick break. More from The Rush coming up. 651-3439. We'll be back. Final segment of The Rush. A reminder, centersports.com. Get your tickets. OU baseball, OU women's tennis, OU women's hoops, and OU women's gym. All in action this weekend in Norman. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, I'll uh, let you have an opinion on this since we talked about it yesterday while you were out. Which individual OU record has the best chance to never be broken? All right, here's your options. P. Ryan's 427-yard rushing day, Landry Jones in his 16,646 career passing yards, Antonio Perkins' three punt return touchdowns in one game, 
Sammy B's 50 touchdown passes in one season or 31 and a half career sacks for Cedric Jones? What say you? So you're saying broken by another Oklahoma player, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. those are school records that I just listed. Um, Antonio Perkins. That's what I said, too. What was the sack record? 31 and a half by Cedric Jones. That's actually the oldest record that I read off. Career? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's man, that's, that's going to be a tough one. Hard to sack the quarterback these days. Uh, but it's even more difficult to return a punt. When's the last time we had a punt return for a touchdown? Like we were, we went crazy last year when Mims returned one for 15 yards. Well, I looked yesterday, and like the leading returner in college football last year had like 300 and something punt return yards. I think yeah. Perkins had that in the first half of that game. No yeah. kidding. <laughs> All right, another fun day. You guys killed it on the text line. As always, you drive the show. We're just along for the ride. Let's all go have a nice cold Pacifico, shall we?